Hey. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> Listen. First service went really good. <laughs> Which means it's either going to fall off the rails on this one or we're going to do the same thing. So <laughs> we'll do the best we can. Amen. Before we get into it, I want to talk to you about something I've been thinking about. I was just talking to uh, my cousin, but more importantly, my friend here, John Michael. And um, we had a discussion. The reason why I say we is because if this is off color or, or out of line, I'll just, he, it's his, it, it's all his words. But we were talking and... Um, Glorified bodies is something that's promised to the believer on the other side of this life. For eternity, we are to be given glorified bodies. And so I am compelled to make sure that there can be a delineation between this body and said glorified body. And what I mean by that is if I'm in too good a shape now, anybody else with me in this journey, amen? You know, <laughs> Some of us, it takes no effort. Uh, for me, it, it just, it takes ice cream and cereal every night of the week. We won't talk about that. I've got I've to focus here. Prophecy. Listen, it is a huge topic. And we are going to endeavor on this day to walk through a lot of it. I certainly realize that there is a broad spectrum of beliefs on prophecy, on end times. There are people and denominations, churches that believe all of it, believe none of it, have chosen and picked certain things, that it's all symbolic all the time, it's all literal. It's not my assignment to unpack all of those beliefs. My assignment is to share with you what this preacher has come to a conclusion on. My assignment is to share to you what Greater Life Church believes in regards to the end times. A fancy word for what we believed is dispensationalist. In other words, we believe since the beginning of time there have been dispensations that have taken place over the years. In other words, different ways that God has interacted with his people. We find ourselves in the church age or the grace dispensation. Prophecy is incredibly important to the believer, yet many times avoided by the believer because it's confusing. I've been looking at it for a little while now, and I'm still very much confused from time to time. And this is where we lean on the Holy Spirit who has promised us to give us wisdom Jesus said in John, as he was talking about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit speaks all truth and is the greatest teacher, will help us know what the Scripture says and how to interpret that Scripture. If you're under the inclination that the end times are the end times, and I'll just make sure that, that I'm not there to participate, I want to be in heaven when all that goes down, that's certainly a very valid point and understandable. But I believe that God wants us to know what's coming. 
Not because we will have to go through it, but because we need to have sometimes a reminder of how grave our responsibility is, is to share the gospel with people so they don't walk through it. 500 verses in the scriptures about the second coming. In the New Testament alone, one in 25 verses are connected to the second coming of Jesus Christ. To get something out of the way, we believe that Jesus, when he came upon the earth, was born of a virgin, died upon a cross, rose from the dead, had his ministry. That was the first coming of Christ. And within that, there were over 300 prophecies that came fulfilled in that moment. But there is a whole lot of scripture left and a whole lot of prophecies left about what Jesus Christ is going to accomplish. All those things left over are to happen in the second coming of Christ when the Bible tells us that we will meet him in the air. We will see him coming in the clouds with the armies of heaven. I certainly recognize and realize that prophecy, at least the way we're going to do it today, which is a whole lot in a very short period of time, is going to be like drinking from a fire hose. So I want to make you aware of something. It was my conviction in 2021 as we endeavored on Wednesday nights to study prophecy for the entire year. We called it Pastor's Prophecy Hour. We created a podcast because there were many that on the front end of that began to say, will this be available that we can listen if we miss or something like that? And so, yes, we did. On your bulletin, there is a QR code that says Pastor's Prophecy Hour. All of 2021, the things we're gonna talk about today are unpacked in greater detail and even some things we don't talk about today. What was that? <laughs> what? <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> Perhaps your practice. Oh. Man, the altar call is gonna be good today. Victor, you're leaving. You should be good, man. <laughs> you know what really would have been cool is if you left this coat and snuck out while I was praying. <laughs> we're, we're all still here. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Trust me, I'll kill the mood when I talk about the wrath of God in a few minutes. Here we go. <laughs> okay, listen, scan the Pastor's Prophecy Hour. Within that are pictures, YouTubes, links to articles, all types of things that, that uh, you can certainly unpack. And if you've ever been interested in things like UFOs, <laughs> we talk about it on that podcast and so, uh, listen, there are, we, we live in a spiritual and physical world, amen? And we have to recognize it, that there are two things going on right now at the same time, and we have to be able to approach things as a child of God and understand there are spiritual dynamics, physical dynamics. All that being said, pastors... Prophecy Hour being available to you, it is, it, is, it is my goal, my assignment, my hope that after today, you at least have a better understanding of the things to come. It is my hope and my prayer that 
For the child of God, today's message should be one that doesn't strike fear in your heart, but encourages you to make sure that the people that you know, love, and could I even throw the people that you don't like at all into this category, need to know Jesus. Amen? Because it is God's heart that all would be saved, and therefore shouldn't that be yours and mine heart as well? I'd like to uh, go into prayer, if I can, for just a moment, and then we'll dive right in. Lord, thank you for today, for the joy that we've already experienced as a church, and pray, God, that you would help me, help me to navigate this topic. Help me, Lord, to share what you want to be shared during this time, as we discover not only the amazing things that are yet to come, but, Lord, that your plan is something that's even hard for us to understand, but God, you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us walk through that. Today, oh God, give us a burden, a burden for the lost. And also give us a reminder that we must, we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ in order to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, current events. Current events. In order for us to understand prophecy, we have to begin by looking at our world. With every generation, there has been current events. We're going to start with technology. The technology of our world today, we all know, is, is vastly different from what it was at the time of Jesus Christ. It was vastly different from even 20 years ago. Today, our technology is even vastly different from two years ago. Back in my teenage years, there was a sense that technology, as we look at technology, the first thing, what does the modern mark of the beast look like? Well, I believe that it could be a couple of things. It could be medicinal in nature, or it could be attributed to that. But I, I think now, it's, I'm thinking more man and machine merger. A man named Elon Musk in 2016 started a company kind of under the radar called Neuralink. Neuralink is a technology about the size of a coin that has um, these wires that go into the brain and hook up literally to the brain. Neuralink is a two-sided invention, the technology that connects to the brain and then the robot that will surgically implant it into the brain. You cannot have one without the other because the surgery is something so delicate and so compl complex that only a robot could do it. Wow, this is going to be good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I wish I could, t Lord, help me time it with, you know, <laughs> and a great earthquake. Ah, oh man. <laughs> Neuralink, listen, uh, in 2020, uh, this company hooked it up to a pig. And the pig was able, they were able to read literally brain waves from the pig as it did different activities. Well, in 2021, they hooked it up to an ape named Pager. Pager, with its mind, was able to control a video game and a puzzle on a video screen. And every time he would do different things through the game, he would get a reward of a banana or a smoothie or some type of a treat. It's, on, it's all online. It's all on YouTube. Elon Musk has said that the Neuralink is going to be as non-invasive and simple as LASIK surgery. 
Because when technology changes, you're going to have to come in for an upgrade. Neurolink in its end form can bring you to a place where you do not need a phone to receive a phone call. You do not need a, a phone to text someone or you may not even need car keys to drive that Tesla anymore because it's all connected. So you see how quickly, not only if you're connected to the internet all the time to control things in your life, you're also connected to the internet all the time to where you can be, are you with me? Controlled. And any time we begin to abandon what the original intent and image of God creation is, we play games that we shouldn't be playing. This also is connected to the dangers of artificial, artificial in intelligence. ChatGPT, OpenAI, MS Bing chatbot have all come onto the scene in beta form and now even beyond. Technological events have now taken what we thought the mark of the beast was. Uh, when I was growing up, it was a tattoo. Right? Everybody thought this was a tattoo. And I, I remember a movie that my youth pastor would show us every time we'd be bad. <laughs> pastor Randy, you remember it? I remember that I knew that the youth group was getting in trouble a little more than they should when it came time for the movie called The Thief in the Night. And the, and the song would start. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. And then the European sirens would, and they'd be running away. And it was just, I still, I, I get creep, creep still. It's just, it was a tattoo. Because that was the technology that was available to them then. And then the reimagining of it over the years have become a microchip and then something that's implanted in the skin. Can I tell you that they don't even need to do any of that anymore? The mark of the beast can be something that is strictly connected to convenience and people will line up around the block to get it. I had a friend that I was on staff with at a previous church that said that the iPhone will become the mark of the beast. Not specifically the one you hand in your, held in your hand, but the technology that is there. Think about it. Let me just tell you how vulnerable this guy is. The iPhone comes out. I was one of the last guys to get it. I didn't have Facebook to 2012 and only did it then because I wanted to plant a church and how else am I supposed to tell people about it? The iPhone comes out, I get it, and then the technology continues to advance, right? Now they got a little thing where you put your thumbprint in and you don't have to put the passcode in. And I was one of the guys who had never had a passcode anyway, so now it's making me do it. And the thumbprint, I was like, I don't wanna do it, I don't wanna do it. Where's my thumbprint go? Who gets it? Where is it? It's the government. You know, I had all these thoughts, but then I finally did it. And man, it was convenient. Just bloop, bloop. Then I had the phone with the button. And I didn't want to give up the phone with the button. I don't know if anybody else had this tragedy in their own life that you had the phone with the button that felt something mechanical about it. It clicked when you pushed it. And then they say, you don't need no button anymore. Just get rid of that. Well, I went to Verizon. I said, I need, I need this phone. I want this phone. We don't have those anymore. You need this phone with no button. And I, I want that phone with no button. It's too bad. So I got the phone with no button. You know what it asked me for? My face. 
So because I held out on the thumbprint, I, I didn't, I need to be honest with you. I didn't hold out on the face the first time I got it. I was like, all right, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. So now whoever has my thumbprint in my face, they have it. And I did it because it was convenient. What if all moral reason and all ethical reason and all higher than just convenience reason were gone, wouldn't people line up around the block just to get a convenience mark? Because you can't buy and sell without the mark. Well, sign me up, right? Technology has developed in such a way where these things have not just become a reality, but are a reality, you don't need to take a mark as long as you have given your thumbprint. <laughs> wow. Uh, woo. You didn't download those things back there, did you? I mean... You know, that speakers can do a lot, but sometimes God just needs to remind us who he is. Amen? Wow. Okay, anyway, let's move on to government events, something a little lighter. Uh, <laughs> alignment, alignment, alignment. Uh, the governments are aligning all over the world. NATO, we know about, and there's many member nations. I think it's approaching 40 now. But there's another alliance called BRICS that is kind of the new kid on the block. BRICS is, uh, means Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. At their last meeting, they had 19 applications, 19 nations applied to be a part of the BRICS alliance. Some were already a part of NATO. You see, the world is shifting because NATO in and of itself kinda still has biblical values. Kinda still. BRICS on the other side of it, does not. Now, here's the deal. NATO still has an alliance of sorts to protect Israel. BRICS has an alliance on the other side. Many do not even, not, not even recognize Israel, much less care about their protection. Do you see how God is setting the world stage for the next event to happen? There is a shoe that will drop and someday this world will never be the same. These nations have also worked together, NATO, BRICS, and even alliances of years gone by. Take the African continent, for example. Africa being the richest continent in all of the world with minerals and, 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 and fossil fuels and, and so on, there is so much wealth in Africa, you just wouldn't believe when you start looking at the percentages. Did you know that any time a leader would rise in Africa that would try to bring those nations together in some type of an alliance, they were assassinated more often than not? For example, prime ministers and presidents of Burkina Faso, Rwanda, Congo, Zanzibar, Liberia, Somalia, and even more have been assassinated while in office and all have had this common ground that they have tried to bring some type of an alliance in Africa together. Why? because there are evil people in the world that are trying to keep control. 
We pretend sometimes that people aren't really doing things because they're evil. That's just them trying to do what's best that they know how. Can I tell you that there are some, yes, leaders and politicians that are oblivious, but there are some that know exactly what they're doing and have given their allegiance over to Satan himself and are working hard to build that kingdom upon the earth. Neuralink is nothing more than an attempt at immunity. Think about it. It has been said that you will not have medical conditions or mental conditions because Neuralink will be able to fix those things. Man's purpose is to try to become like God and to be immortal. And every every season, every generation moves a little bit closer to trying to accomplish that. Thirdly, financial events. The goal, the end game is that there will be money no more. The precipice of this is coming close. We have Apple Pay and Venmo, Bitcoin and Tap to Pay, shopping online and shopping even in person. You very rarely take your wallet out and take cash out of it and give it to somebody. I remember being a kid and going to the grocery store to buy gum or whatever the case may be and being frustrated with that poor sweet little old lady that's writing a check. Anybody else remember checks? Take it out, they had the little thing that you put on and now the little thing holds the tap thing. You with me? You see, the bottom line is, is if you don't have cash, you can be controlled because it can be traced. Less cash, more control, more cash, less control. So it's not a, a leap for us to say that at the end of the day, if there is no more cash, there's a whole lot more control. And how could the prophecy set forth that there will be no buying and no selling and you won't be able to eat, you won't be able to work, you won't be able to even live throughout your life unless you take the mark of the beast if there's not a monetary system that supports that? Which brings me to the, the fail of two very large banks that just happened, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, over 300 billion assets and yet they failed. It's terrible in and of itself, but what's even more terrible is the fact that the government takes those opportunities to say, we need to come in and control more, not less. You may be sitting here today not worried at all because your cash is in a mattress. Let me also remind you that that cash simply says, note. And if there ain't nothing that backs up the note, then the cash don't matter anyway, you can burn it. Hyperinflation in other nations, before, before you burn it, get, bring it to me. I'd like to check it. <laughs> Hyperinflation all over the world has proven that the monetary system is only as good as the government it's connected to. Now, moving on, let's go to the timeline of events. I need to lay these out for you, and this is going to be a, a little more fast-paced, but I encourage you to Read the scriptures to go to the Prophecy Hour podcast to get more details. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31 through 45. Daniel is receiving a vision from the Lord. This vision is of a statue that has different materials from head to toe. Daniel is given this, and the reason why it's important, the timeline of events, Daniel before Christ is what we're talking about right now. We see Babylon that is first introduced as the head of the statue. It's gold. And then we see Persia that follows that. It's silver in the torso. Then we see the thighs and the waist, which is bronze, which is Greece. 
And then finally, we see Rome, which is iron and clay, speaking of the mixed nature of the leadership of Rome. Finally, this last kingdom is the new kingdom, the resurrected Rome, if you like, the kingdom of the Antichrist. That is, again, less precious because it will, la it will last a whole lot shorter time period than the others that have gone before it. The reason why that timeline is important and those kingdoms are important is because we need to know that the prophecies in Daniel are true. This lays out hundreds of years in accurate detail how long these kingdoms will stand. By the way, none of them were even kingdoms at the time that Daniel received the prophecy. Which means we can wait on that last kingdom with confidence and know that the timeline that Daniel receives in Daniel chapter 9, I won't read it, but it goes into this language of 70 sets of seven weeks. The Hebrew word for weeks is years. So when we say 70 sets of weeks or sevens, that's years. And because we see already in Daniel chapter 2, going back in history, that it's incredibly important, then we can also see, going back in history, that the prophecy in Daniel 9 to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was 483 years to the day. 483 years we saw Daniel prophesy almost 500 years before that this is when the anointed one, as is called, as, as Jesus is called in Daniel, will be killed. The passage in Daniel even says the anointed one will be killed and it will look as if he's accomplished nothing. How many of us look at the cross and that's exactly what many would say? Just a man who came and had a great following and died and denied that the resurrection ever happened, but how many of you guys know and are reminded today that Jesus is alive? And then the, the, the passage in Daniel tells us that there will be another ruler that creates a peace treaty for seven years. The cross happened, Jesus came to the earth, he died upon the cross, and then the church age, which we live in, is in this very long pause, 2,000 years plus. Now, this is not uncommon in Scripture. We see a pause between the Old Testament and the New Testament of 400 years of silence from the Lord, waiting for Jesus to come. The prophecies are still there. We're in this pause, and we're finding things being set up for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The timeline of the event, Daniel after Christ, we see these seven years. They're coming. The third thing about the timeline of events, and then we're going to get into the tribulation, is the church age, which we find ourselves in. Revelation chapter 2 and 3. The church age is described as real churches that were here upon the earth at the time these letters were written. Ephesus, Sardis, Thyatira, Philadelphia. These were real churches that were written about during this time. They are also symbolic they represent different demographics and different seasons. For example, Middle Ages, dark, dark Ages, and so forth. We can look at these different churches and their attributes. For example, you lost your first love. For example, you were rich. For example, you allowed blasphemy to come into the church. 
And we see symbolically over the years, historically over the years, we can see these things happen. They are also prophetic. I believe that you can unpack these churches and look at them even today. As you look at different denominations and different teachings, we can find representatives of these different churches today. We are in that church age. Why, pastor, is it so important that we know all this stuff? Well, because we're going now into big biblical events. There'll be an infographic that'll come up as we walk through these things, but I first wanna take a time and pause and tell you, church, that what we're gonna be walking through today should not strike fear in your heart. It should bring you great hope that God is gonna save you from all this stuff, that you are going to be free of the wrath of God and be able to be in heaven with Jesus during this time period. As we walk into this first event called the rapture of the church, we will find that there's a whole lot going on on the earth. The reason why this is important for you and I is not only so we can be reminded that we must follow Jesus with all of our lives, but we must have a burden for the lost, that this is their destiny if they don't know Christ. Pastor, what if they don't respond and the rapture happens? Can they still be saved? Yes. I believe that the Bible tells us very clearly that the greatest revival ever is going to happen during the seven-year tribulation. And it also is clear about another thing, that one of the great indicators before Christ's return is a great falling away. And now let me, just, let me just insert this truth. If there's a great falling away, then that would indicate that there were people that knew the truth and turned their back on the truth. You're right? Am, am, I, am I right? That's a great falling away. And those people turning their back on Christ and turning their back on the truth and walking away from God altogether, they will not be caught up in the rapture because they do not at that time have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But during the rapture, you and I can have opportunity to preach, teach, and share the gospel that when they look around and see the rapture happen and see the Antichrist rise and see the mark of the beast come out, they'll remember what they know and what they've learned. And it is my hope and my prayer that that loved one that might just be left behind refuses to take the mark and finds true salvation during the tribulation because you were able to share with them the truth of the gospel. Why do we need to know about prophecy? Because God has given us an opportunity in this life at this time to share the hope of Jesus Christ. They may not ever walk in it now, but we still should give them the truth and the message of the gospel. Going into these big biblical events, the very first thing that happens is the rapture of the church. Titus 2.13 encourages us to be looking up for a blessed hope. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 6 tells us that the restrainer at this time is removed, the rapture of the church. We go up into heaven to be with Christ. We are caught up. The tribulation begins here upon the earth. Can I tell you that the, the, the word restrainer that is brought out in uh, 2 Thessalonians is removed during this rapture. I, I believe that's incredibly important to the timeline of events. Think about it this way. You and I, not the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit will still be very active upon the earth even during the tribulation. But you and I, full of the Holy Spirit, agents of salt and light, ambassadors of Christ, we're gone. 
Picture, if you would, a world where every Bible-believing Christian that's full of the Holy Ghost and living for the Lord are gone. How quickly the Antichrist could fill the vacuum of leadership and take over. Because who's praying against it? No one. We're gone. You with me? We operate under the power of prayer, and when things go bad, we pray. The restrainer is now removed, and there's a vacuum of leadership that the Antichrist would enter in. I believe that the United States is not mentioned in Scripture clearly. I believe that the reason why the United States is not mentioned in Scripture is because they're a non-player. One of two things has happened. Either they've diminished and they're just kind of on their own, not participating on the world stage anymore, or they've been destroyed altogether and taken over. And here's why I believe that, because the, the, the greatest population of evangelical Christians still is within the United States. Picture, if you would, that tomorrow the United States wakes up, that our nation wakes up, and over 100 million people are gone. All the believers are just gone, vanished. Of course, the implications all over the world would be even uh, hard to measure, but here in our nation, think of the people that are serving Schools, workplaces, neighborhoods, they're gone in a moment, no longer existent. Our nation would not just be destitute, but it would be decimated and completely destroyed. To rebuild would be something that's far reaching to even imagine. Pilots are taken from their planes, people are taken from their cars and their homes, and the nation mourns. I'd also like to bring your attention to what the rapture of the church might look like. We believe in, Ma- uh, in Matthew, Jesus is describing that two are walking beside one another, one is taken and the other left behind. Two are working together, one is taken and another left behind. Two are lying in bed, one is taken and another left behind. Because Jesus is wanting us to understand that this can happen in a moment. And we don't know when. That's why this preacher believes in the pre-tribulation rapture of the, of the church that will be gone before the tribulation happens. Any other belief would acknowledge that something else has to happen before Jesus can come back. I don't believe that. I believe Jesus can come at any moment. So here's the deal. UFOs, I mentioned about this long for just a second ago. The nation has had to disclose all this information about UFO sightings, and and there are many. There's not only unidentified flying objects, there's unidentified objects in the water. Remember, friends, we do not fight a battle against flesh and blood, but we fight against princes and principalities of the air. I believe that it is demonic or is angelic, that we are catching glimpses of the spirit realm from time to time and seeing things happen. And I also believe that it is not a far stretch today. It may have been 30 years ago, but today for the government to come on and say, hey, guess what? About a billion people uh, disappeared last night, and the aliens took them. Now, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, that was said. It don't matter. Here's the thing. They might even say there's a new strain of COVID-19 that makes you disappear and leave your clothes behind, but I have a hard time believing that one. (laughs) It's really not a stretch nowadays to picture a newscast with a straight face saying aliens, UFOs, have abducted a billion people. And now we must come together 
Humans must rise to the task to seek peace at all costs. And you see, within that vacuum, the Antichrist can come onto the scene and say, I will bring us together. I will bring peace to all the the world. And at that very moment, the Antichrist establishes himself as the ruler and establishes his one world government upon the earth. And when he does that, he signs that peace treaty with Israel. He's the only one throughout any history that has ever been able to sign a peace treaty with Israel. It's never happened. We've had pieces and, you know, kind of loose agreements, but he will sign that peace treaty with Israel. We, as a church, will be at the Bema seat. The Bema seat is this judgment seat of Christ that every believer will go through. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we see it described that we will bring our works before the Lord and some will be gold and silver and they will last and some will be hay and stubble and they won't last. We will come before the Lord Jesus Christ and, and we will be judged on what we've been able to do for the kingdom of the Lord. Now, this isn't a thank you tour from Jesus to you and I. Thank you so much for helping me out while you were there, Andrew. Man, you, you really did a great job. No, no, don't misunderstand. But this is a measure of what your faithfulness looked like while you were here upon the earth. It will be cause for celebration. The Bible tells us that we will be given rewards at that moment. But you know what we're gonna do with them? We're gonna turn back and worship and throw them at the feet of Jesus because we are not worthy for any of it. Amen? The Antichrist is, 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 is beginning to establish power here upon the earth. The church in heaven is at the Bema seat and the marriage supper of the Lamb. We have worship in heaven happening. We are, we are reunited with loved ones during this tribulation. And I, I believe that it will be like a blink of an eye that we're up there because seven years, man, that's nothing when you're in eternity. Worship in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're celebrating and here on earth, the Antichrist is beginning to take over. He is revealed in the one world government established, this peace treaty takes hold, which brings us to Revelation 6 through, through chapter 17. Now we're gonna talk about the wrath of God. The Bible tells us that we were not created for wrath, yet the wrath of God will be poured out upon the earth. Let me be clear that what we're going to go through right now are terrible, terrible things. Yet, they are merciful. Because here again, those that know what is happening will begin to recognize that this is the hand of God. This is from the Lord. This is God's work. And as God begins to show people what he is doing, they will repent and follow him. Many won't, but many will. As God has been so gracious and merciful during this time period, he sent 144 evangelists upon the earth to preach the gospel. Two witnesses that he'll send upon the earth. And the Bible says that these two witnesses will be able to fight their enemies by fire coming from their mouth. Crazy. The Bible tells us that the Antichrist will be so fed up with these two witnesses that he will be allowed to kill them. And then God will bring them back to life and the whole world will see. Why does all of this happen? Because God is trying so very hard to prick the heart of humanity 
to save every last person that he possibly can before it's too late, before the great white throne. We see the wrath of God happening beginning with the seals in Revelations chapter 6. I, I believe that the book of Revelation, as is most prophecy, is both symbolic and literal in nature. As we go through the seals, we'll see horses described. This does not mean that the people upon the earth are seeing a literal horse ride across the, the field. But the horse is a spiritual thing that points to something that physically will happen here upon the earth. Let's start with the white horse. The white horse represents the Antichrist. The Bible says he's given a bow and he's sent out to win many battles. You're going to see how this flows. Come on, go with me. You ready? The white horse, the Antichrist gets power. He's given a bow and he wins many battles. And then those that resist, the red horse shows up. The red horse is sent, and the red horse is a horse of war and slaughter, that everyone that resists the Antichrist will now die at the hands of the Antichrist. The red horse is something that represents this time of war and slaughter in Scripture. It brings us to the black horse. After the Antichrist gets to power, after he kills everyone that opposes him, what do you think will happen in the world? Famine and financial downfall. Now the world is starving to death because as the result of great war and great consolidation of power in a very quick time period, no one has anything to eat. And when you don't have nutrition, what happens to your body? You get sick. And now we have the pale green horse and the Bible tells us that the pale green horse represents disease and sickness. It is as a result of the Antichrist wielding power and going out in war and the famine that strikes and then there is sickness, which brings me to what I think might be the time where the mark of the beast takes hold for all of the world. Now, go with me and don't be mad at me because what I'm, let me tell you what I'm not saying first. I'm not saying that the vaccines that rolled out during 2020 are the mark of the beast. Not saying that. But what I am saying is our world went through something in 2020 that it has never gone through before. And people lined up unlike they ever had because the government told them you need this to work, go to school, to buy, to sell, so on and so forth. And now people lined up to receive this vaccine, which by the way, that in and of itself can be traced without even drawing your blood. Did you know that? There are bioluminescent features and ways to tell whether or not you've been vaccinated. What I'm not saying is that's the mark, but what I am saying is the pale green horse shows up and people are sick and dying and the Antichrist says, hey, for the safety of your neighbor, take this. Everyone must take this or you are not allowed to leave your home, to go to school, to go to church. Pastor, church? Thought the church was gone. There's something called the one world religion that will roar onto the scene. Yes, I do believe that this could be a new way that the mark could be disseminated around the whole world's population. Did you know that every bio weapon that comes out has already a vaccine developed with it? 
You cannot develop the weapon unless you already develop the vaccine. Think about it this way. If it's a weapon, then who in their right mind would develop a weapon when they don't have a vaccine to send the weapon out against their enemy? You with me? It's, it's all coming to light now, friends. It's all coming to light. Now, here's what happens as a result of people not taking the mark, martyrdom. Millions and millions of people will be killed because they did not take the mark. Be it a vaccine, be it a microchip, be it a Neuralink, I don't know. Whatever it is, if they didn't take it, they're going to be killed as a result. And as they're killed as a result, the next thing that happens is creation reacts. When Jesus died upon the cross, the Bible tells us that things went dark and a great earthquake happened. And we find here that in the text that creation reacts, earthquakes, heavenly signs, stars falling from the heavens. Which brings us to Revelation 8.1. The lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll and there was silence throughout heaven for about a half an hour. Silence. It brings us to the next wave. The trumpets. The first four trumpets, we find that a third of the earth is destroyed. A third of the sea is destroyed. A third of fresh water is destroyed. And a third of light is destroyed. These things are happening now in quick sequence. The world can't hardly catch his breath, but that is all on purpose because God is trying to accomplish his plan, which is to bring Jesus back upon the earth in the second coming and to try to try to try to save those that will be saved and yes, to bring judgment on those that have denied Christ. The fifth trumpet brings us to the first terror, the Bible calls it. We're going to call it Apollyon, which speaks of the demon that is in the bottomless pit that is released upon the earth. Terror one is, is Apollyon or Abaddon in another language. This demon in the bottomless pit, the Bible says John describes locusts coming from the earth, locusts with a face of a man and armor. They sound, like a, 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 they sound like the beating of hooves of a horse as they go out. They can sting, they can bite, and it causes great pain and suffering for five months. The Bible says that people will want to die, but, die, but dying will run from them. Why is this important? John is describing, he lives in the first century, locusts that are covered in armor. Catch it. He's never seen anything like it. But today, many of us have already seen that there are bugs, there are drones the size of bugs, and they fly in swarms. And did you know that our nation and others are trying to figure out ways to, with these little drones, to put chemical and biological weapons upon them so they can inject the enemy? See, we're not far from the end. The end is close. Jesus is coming soon. Terror number two are the four angels in the 200 man, million man armor, army that is sent out to wage war again upon the earth. And terror number two, we see these four angels, spiritual in nature, but the physical implication is the 200 million man army that marches out. For the first time in history, the BRICS alliance has over 200 million soldiers that can be sent out and wage war. Friends, Jesus is coming soon. 
We find in the seventh trumpet that the mysterious plan of God is revealed. I believe this is something that happens that the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of even the lost and the found. I believe that there will be no excuse from this point forward that you have either chosen the Antichrist or you have not. I believe from this point forward, God's, God's mysterious plan will be revealed internally, intrinsically, that there is no doubt anymore because the next wave of, 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 the next wave of judgments are only upon those that have devoted themselves to the Antichrist. We find those in the bowls, also called the plagues, Revelation chapter 16. They begin with great sores upon the marked that flows into the death of the sea. The time is so short at this time period. People don't have anything to eat. They don't have anything to drink. Destruction of fresh water. A great solar flare on the fourth bowl that burns people's skin. And in each one of these, there's, uh, in many of these, there's verses that follow that say they cursed God and continued to sin or many repented and turned to him. The fifth bowl, the Antichrist's government collapses. Verse 10 and 11 of chapter 16, it says it this way. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom and plunged into darkness. His subjects ground their teeth in anguish and they cursed God, the God of heaven, for their pain and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. It is too late. When the bowls are beginning to pour out, it is too late. They have chosen their battle lines and who their allegiance is. Yes, I know it's hard to believe, but there will be people that truly believe that they can win in a battle against God Almighty. At this point in time, the Antichrist has led the world away from the truth, and, and they even believe that, that God is some type of an alien power that is going to come and, and try to fight against them. How many of you guys have ever seen a movie where the people of earth are fighting against an alien power? It's all over the place now. Did you know that one of Hollywood's main jobs is to desensitize and program you for something coming in the future? We find ourselves in the, in the sixth bowl and there is a drought that happens and the great river Euphrates is finally dried up. And the kings of the world and the, and the armies of the world march across it to the plains of Megiddo also known as Armageddon, followed by a great earthquake where the Bible says that islands will be no more and mountains will be flattened. Interesting, the scripture pauses right here and says this is what happens in the assembly of the army for Armageddon, and then it goes into the Antichrist, the great prostitute, the one world religion, the one world government, it starts painting a picture of all of these different things so you and I can understand the different players that are happening. Basically, what it boils down to is everything that is evil is now aligned with one another against everything that is good, and that is God. In Revelation chapter 19, the battle actually takes place. The battle of Gog and Magog here upon the earth at, at Armageddon, it starts in Revelation 16, like I mentioned, and it finishes up in Revelation 19. We see here that Jesus, the second coming, is happening back to our timeline. 
The second coming is happening and the Bible tells us that there will be a pause that Jesus will come in the clouds with the armies of heaven and he will pause there in the clouds while the battle on the, on the earth of Armageddon people are stationed against this God coming on the clouds. Well, here's how it goes down. Verse 21 of chapter 19, we don't see bombs fly and swords uh, hitting one another and bullets going everywhere. We don't see any of that. Here's what happens. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse. Jesus speaks, and it's over. <laughs> come on, come on. The same word that said, let there be light, and there was. The same word that said, uh, let, let there be stars and the sun and the moon. The same word that spoke everything that we know into existence speaks, and it's over. There's no battle because Jesus is victorious, amen? And here's where you and I are. We're on the left and the right with him in heaven watching it all go down. So I think of it this way. I know many of us have, I think in movie scenes and different things, but, but this, is the, this is the old 80s movie scene where the teenagers come out and there's one teenager and then there's more that flank out and they're all walking together, right? And the other people over there, they're walking out and you like, it just makes you emboldened. There are more people that are on your side. Now, Jesus doesn't need our help, but he allows us to stand with him in heaven, amen? I'm gonna ask the, Worship team to come forward if I can. Because here's where we're going. The second coming of Christ happens. Jesus wins this great victory and the world is all but destroyed and he begins the millennial reign. And during the millennial reign, he establishes his kingdom upon the earth. It's gonna get real good real fast under his leadership, amen? He has never been in charge upon the earth. He's always in charge, but right now we live in a day and age that the Bible says that the devil is the prince of this world. And it certainly shows, right? Falling apart at the seams. Jesus is coming soon. And when he does, he will rule and reign upon the earth for a thousand years. And man, I don't know about you, but I think in four-year terms as an American. You with me? You know, and it never seems like a whole lot gets done in four years. But I'm going to tell you to picture a world where Jesus alone is in control and king of it all for a thousand years. And we get to rule and reign with him. Can you imagine how great it will be? And then we go into this season of Jesus ruling as the, the peace is restored, prosperity, comfort. Je Jerusalem becomes the leading center of the world. But there's one more thing left to happen in prophecy. The great white throne judgment takes place. As we are here upon the earth, the quick and the dead, those that are in the sea and those that are buried, Everyone that has denied Christ for their whole life is now taken up to stand before God himself at the great white throne. And here's what will happen. That is when the scripture that said, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. There will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth and there will be total just disenfranchise and disillusionment. People will be devastated to know that I was wrong the whole time. Friend, I don't want anybody to have to face that. That is when they will be sent to the lake of fire.
And then, Jesus' reigning upon the earth has done something so amazing and so awesome that there is a new heaven and a new earth and time is no more and we enter into forever with Jesus Christ our King. New Jerusalem comes down literally out of the sky and takes up place upon the earth. Man, it's gonna be so amazing. Here's the cool thing. The new heaven and the new earth will be established. You and I will be residents of it. Jesus will be the ruler of it all. It is something that gives us great hope. I am so thankful that I can be absent from the wrath and be able to be present for all of the blessing. Just because I said yes to Jesus and served him, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But Jesus died for us so we could have all that benefit, all that blessing, all that mercy. Revelation chapter 1, 3 promises a blessing to the reader. I know this is incredibly complicated stuff. Revelation chapter 22, after it describes heaven and everything, it's amazing. I wish we had time to go through it. But Revelation chapter 22 says this, I'd solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything that is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove from that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that is described in this book. Verse 20, and he who is the faithful witness to all these things I've said, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I want to invite the prayer team to come up. We're just going to sing a song and we're going to do two things at the same time. These guys are going to worship and I'd invite you to participate in that. If you need to go, I understand. Just stay, stay put for just a moment. Because here's the thing, I don't want anybody to have to go through this. <laughs> and you might be sitting here to say, hey, I'm with you. I don't wanna have to go through that either. <laughs> but I do understand this, I know this, that sometimes there's doubt. Sometimes we may not be sure. And sometimes we know that we haven't walked in a, in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we all stand and worship, if you'd like to pray for two things, number one, for your own heart, your own salvation, your own doubts, your own faith, come forward and pray with these people. If you have a loved one that you've been praying for and you've been seeking, sharing, praying, believing, you can come and pray for them, stand in the gap. So for those two reasons, I'd like to open the altars. Would you stand with me? And I'd like to pray before we open those altars and sing. Lord Jesus, have your way. Right now, we need you. Move upon this place, move upon our hearts, stir us from the inside out. As we go into worship, Lord, may you have your way. Please, please, please. Let us all walk out of here, come confident in our relationship with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Let's worship and come and pray if you'd like to.
of the Lord because what else is there it doesn't last I for one want to stand in front of the throne and have my arms full 
of rewards. Not for me, but so I can give it back. Because I don't know about you, but I've been in my own life, found myself making stupid mistakes. Anybody else? And there, there will never be enough good to outweigh the mistakes, never. But if I can do something with this meager life that lasts into eternity, man, that's saying something. And the only way that happens, friends, is by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, through me. Because anything I do on my own volition, on my own power, it won't last to tomorrow. So which, which is why this week we go into prayer, National Day of Prayer, First Friday Prayer. We're a praying church, man, and we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna storm the gates of heaven for the sake of our community. Because guess what? God has a heart that all would be saved. We're asking him to help us accomplish his heart. Man, that's, that's easy work. And we need the Holy Spirit. So all month, Wednesday, Sunday, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. How, how, do we, how do we operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? How do we operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How, how do we see God use us beyond our own limitations? So listen, prophecy is important. It's what happens at the end. But can I tell you that Jesus has given us today so what we do today could change someone's life. That on that little timeline, they could be with us or they could be here. Church, don't ever miss an opportunity. And guess what? If you're not listening to the Holy Spirit and you're not operating in that, you'll miss it. Because <laughs> he's the one that's gonna lead you into those opportunities, amen? So would you just, would you just bow your heads with me as I close us out in prayer? Lord, thank you that you have a great plan in place. Thank you for your mercy and for giving us this life, this season. God, may you use us today, even today. May you make us aware of the urgency of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, may you fill us by your spirit. Lead us, guide us to those that need to hear this message. Maybe they'll respond now. Maybe they'll just know enough that on the other side of the rapture, they'll respond. Either way, God, use us. Help us to continue to be faithful. Lord, protect this house. Use us as a people, as a church, to continue to move the gospel forward. Help us to be used of you to take ground in this battle that we are in, this spiritual battle. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you.